please turn in your Bibles to Joshua, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read verses 13 through 15. And if you're using the Pew Bible, it's 337, on page 337. Now hear the word of the Lord. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld. A man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said unto him, Who are you? Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. The grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of our God stands forever. Father in heaven, we're grateful at this time of the year as we prepare to celebrate Veterans Day. And Father, we knew that if it wasn't for thou intervening into the affairs of this nation, we would not be enjoying the blessings that we have. But Father, if there weren't men that were willing to sacrifice for freedom, we pray also, Father, that we, we always remember what our brothers and our fathers and sisters have done to keep this freedom. But most of all, Father, we're grateful what Thou, Son, has made it possible for us to live freedom here, but in the next life, live forever. Amen. And Father, we ask that Thou will be with Brother Parker as he presents the message and pray that we'll be guided in this instruction. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in times of acute need, God shows up. He shows up with power, but on his own terms. So in times of acute need, God shows up with power, but on his own terms. Christy and I never had to experience the trials of of long-distance dating. And I'm very, very thankful to this. This. As I've talked to many of you, uh, you had to pay attention especially to the long distance rates, something we don't have to worry about so much anymore. You had to plan long ahead in order to see the one you hoped to marry. I remember reading some notes from my great grandfather when he was off at war. He was a second in command of the POW camp in Aliceville, Alabama. And he just lit into my great grandmother. For spending what was the equivalent of $20 on two minutes on the telephone. Our veterans certainly know that long distance relationships and how, uh, how many challenges there are. You know, presence is something that is really important to any relationship. Perhaps it's even the lifeblood of relationships. We need quality time of good, intense times of good fellowship. We also need quantity time of just being together. We certainly see that in our marriages and our families and friendships. Um, God is with us. 
when we think about the presence of God with us and how our relationship works with our God, first we see that God is with us always. We see that he is, has come to be with us in Emmanuel, Christ himself. And third, we are called to be present with him in his word and the sacraments and prayers. We seek to be grown by him. But presence is important. And sometimes we need his presence, especially when things are, are difficult. A time of, of hardship. I remember, and I, I may have shared this story before, but when we lived in Montgomery, we lived in somewhat of a bad area of town. Um, if you'd like to buy my house, I'll throw in the firearm of your choice. Uh, see me after the service. Uh, it was a little bit dangerous around there, and we had plans in place what to do when the uh, very frequent fire, uh, uh, gunfire would, would happen. One night, Christy was, we just moved in, and Christy was pregnant with Thomas, and I was at a session meeting, and I got this call. See, next door to us was a, a drug house, and we were pretty sure that a drug dealer was there, and, and oftentimes his, his activities would spill out into his front yard, and tonight, they had, that night, they had spilled over into our yard, and there was a fist fight in our front yard. And we could often hear gunfire throughout the neighborhood, so you never knew exactly how, it was gonna, how bad it was going to be. So I got this call, said, I've got my gun, I've called the police, please come home. And uh, you better believe I, I made pretty good time home. And you know, she needed my presence. And when I came with my presence, I brought power a Beretta 92FS 9mm semi-automatic, 15 in the, ch- in the magazine and one in the chamber. Uh, she needed my presence and she needed a little power too. Well, that's a silly way of talking about what we're going to talk about today. That when we need him, while God is always present with us, when we need him, especially in acute times, he shows up. And when he does, he brings power. But when he comes with power, he shows up on his own terms. I think we can find this in this text this morning. Well, we find ourselves in this kind of acute situation throughout the book of Joshua. In fact, there's one long crisis in how the Lord will answer his people and provide for them and fight for them. And and the question is, will God's people be faithful? So far, things have worked out well. In a few weeks, we'll see that things don't always work out well for Israel. But God's presence and power was needed, especially when they were going through the Jordan River. And then as they were healed after the circumcision and then the gathering for Passover, they needed their God, and he showed up. Now we find a spot in which um, the question is, will God show up again? Will he show up this time? See, in verse 15, we find Joshua by Jericho by Jericho. And, and what is he doing there? Well, like a good military commander, he's gone to spy out, we, we think, probably what's going on, spy out what's going on in Jericho and how bad it looks and what they're going to do about it. Now, Jericho is a great fortified city. And here were these ragtag group of, uh, of folks who come out of Egypt, been in the, in the wilderness for the last 40 years, had just been circumcised. How in the world are we going to take Jericho? Perhaps he was thinking, if he was having a good day, you know, I'll be excited to see how the Lord gets us through this one. My dad has that perspective. Anytime I call him to talk about issues or struggles, 
he'll say, you know, it'll be exciting to see how the Lord gets you through this one. Because when God shows up, he brings power. Now Joshua would have been on the lookout for people. So he's probably alone. The text certainly seems to indicate so. He's probably alone, and he's maybe on a hill overlooking Jericho, scouting things out, and he would have a sword ready to go. He would certainly be armed and on the lookout for any enemy scouts or anyone that he would have to do battle with. But then all of a sudden, he's being vigilant now, but all of a sudden there is someone within visible distance, apparently decently close, just standing there. And he's standing there with his sword in his hand. Now, Just like you don't put your finger on a trigger until you're ready to shoot, you don't pull your sword out of its sheath until you're ready to attack. And so here's this figure, not standing too far off from him, with his sword in hand, perhaps tall with armor, we don't know what he looked like. And Joshua goes up to him. And he asks a very reasonable question. Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? Here was a mighty warrior, warrior ready to do battle. Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? You know, Jesus loved to give non-answers in the Gospels. People would ask him something, and he would answer something completely different. And seminary, seminary professors always said that we're going to answer the question you should have asked instead of the one you actually asked. And here's what's going on here. See, instead of really answering Joshua, the commander of the Lord's army, he says, no. Are you for us or against us? No. For I am the commander of the army of the Lord, Yahweh. Now the fact that he just appeared to clue us in that something something strange or, or odd or unique is going on here... And we certainly see that Joshua has the same experience because what is his response? He immediately falls to the ground, bowing his face to the earth and worshiping this figure. He asks the question, what would you have your servant do, Lord? Here's one commander, the commander of the army of the Israelites, asking the commander of the army of the Lord, what would you have me to do? And so instead of receiving military information. This figure merely tells him, take your sandals off, for the ground upon which you stand is holy. The text is very clear that Joshua did so. He obeyed. Certainly not what we expected to hear. I think the NIV has divided this incorrectly. If you look in your pew Bibles, you'll see that it puts the instructions, the military instructions that are to come and Joshua 6 is part of this account. I think we can make some pretty good arguments. This is a separate account. And so when the servant, uh, uh, when when Joshua bows down before this, uh, this figure and he asks for directions, instead of getting military information, he gets information of how to be holy and how to be in the presence of this figure. What's going on here? It's an interesting passage and and one that is perhaps perplexing in some details. But to really understand what's going on here, we must first ask the question, who is this figure, the commander of the army of the Lord? We have several options, and I think that we can make some pretty good determinations about who this is. At the very base level, this is someone acting upon or sent by the Lord to appear to Joshua. This person comes from the Lord. 
But I think we can say with reasonable certainty that this is the angel of the Lord. You'll remember that the angel of the Lord is this figure who shows up in several places in the Old Testament, right when God's people need him the most. In one spot in 2 Kings chapter 19, no, 1 Kings, one of the Kings, chapter 19, uh, we see the angel of the Lord shows up and kills 185,000 soldiers in one night. So whoever this angel of the Lord is, he's a pretty powerful figure. But I think we get this special clue because it says that his sword is drawn, the drawn sword. And this only appears three other times in the whole Old Testament. And they all refer to the angel of the Lord, ready to, ready to protect or to judge both the nations and his people. This is, this is more than just a man. See, there was an acute need. How in the world are we going to take Jericho? There was an acute need and God showed up. And it was more than a man. But there's more. Because I think we can reasonably say that this is God himself. Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah. This is God himself. We have several clues. And the first is that several times in the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord shows up, it's pretty clear this is God. In Genesis chapter 18, we find this interaction between Abraham and the angel of the Lord. And one verse says, the angel of the Lord said this. And the very next one says, the Lord says this. But I think we can do better than that. Look at what happens here. He receives worship. A created being, a godly created being, cannot receive worship, can he? As Joshua bows himself down and worships this figure, we must learn that this is not a man. This is not a man. He would refuse to worship. We see a a similar situation in Acts chapter 10 where Peter stops Cornelius from worshiping him and he said, stand up, I too am a man. And again in Acts 14 where we find that the priests of Zeus tried to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas and Lystra after they had healed a crippled man and they quickly stop this by tearing their clothes and yelling, we are also men of like nature with you. So whoever this, this figure is, if he accepts worship, you have a pretty good clue that this is God himself. It couldn't be a mere angel. It couldn't just be a mere angel. Because do you remember in Revelation 21 when John, at the end of this revelation, um, or 22 rather, John tries to worship the angel who had walked him around and revealed this to him. And what did he say to this angel? He said, you must not do this. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. It's interesting, Jesus accepts worship on several occasions. When he is resurrected from the dead, his disciples bow down and worship him, and he accepts it. When Thomas says, uh, in the Doubting Thomas episode, he says, my Lord and my God, he accepts it. So the fact that this figure accepts worship, this is more than just an angel. This is more than a man. This is the Lord God himself. And we're immediately to think of that burning bush experience in Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember this? When, Mo, when God appears to Moses to the burning bush that does not burn up, and what does he say to him? He says, take your sandals off. The ground upon which you stand is holy ground. It's almost the exact same wording that we find here. But you know, I think we can definitely say that. But there's a good chance that this is Jesus. We can't say this for sure. There's a good chance this is Jesus. This is the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity. 
who has been sent by the Father to help his people in time of need. You know, it's when God's people are in need that God shows up the most and he glorifies himself the most and he, and he makes these solutions and it, uh, um, he solves these problems in our lives in a way that only he receives the glory. One ancient commentator says this, Joshua knew that not only was he of God, but he was God. For he would not have worshipped had he not recognized him to be God. For who else is the captain of the Lord's host but our Lord Jesus Christ? There's some things going on with the Hebrew as well that would indicate that. The commander is subservient to the, the king. The commander is subservient to the, the Lord, who it is the Lord's army. So I think that we can say with some certainty that this is Jesus. But whoever this is, whether God sends a man to help us, if God sends an angel to help us, if God comes himself, he always is with us. God shows up when we need him the most. Here is Joshua, thinking how in the world are we going to take Jericho? And behold, there's God right there, a theophany. There is God right there. He bows down and worships him. God is present. And how much more now that we live in the New Testament, that Christ has come, that the second person of the Trinity, whether this was him here or not, we don't know, but he has come. And this is Emmanuel, who has stepped out of heaven and taken on, taken on the form of humanity, taken to himself a human nature, and he walked amongst us. And how much more now that he has gone to be with God in heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in power, how much more now that he has sent the paraclete, the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us. We need him most, God shows up. Why? Because he's already there. It's much like um, when your kids get shots. I love it when Christy goes with the kids to get shots. Because it's just tragic. And they... And they they, they, they're on the table, they have no clue what's coming. And all of a sudden, they look at you with those eyes like, what have you done? And there's no voice coming out of their mouths, it's wide open, screaming, it's a silent scream. But where is mama? Right beside. Now, now this isn't how it works. You think about this, there's a need here. And, and then the baby calls for his mother who happens to be down the hall. That's not how it works at all, is it? Where is that mother the whole time? The mother knows the trial is coming, and so that mother is standing right beside the baby, holding it, perhaps pinning it down, but holding it, holding his hand, being comforting. See, he, she knew that the trial was coming, so she was there. And this is how our God works. When we have an acute need, it's not like it's a surprise to him. He is with us. When we turn to him, he is there in power. See, in acute times of need, God shows up, and he shows up with power, but according to his own terms. You know, the 82nd Airborne is known as America's Guard of Honor. It's America's Guard of Honor, and, and uh, do you know that in time of need upon notification, they can be anywhere in the world within 18 to 24 hours? Boots on the ground. They get the call, in 18 to 24 hours, they are there, defending the honor of our country, fighting for justice, protecting us. 
But you know, even those 18 to 24 hours, there's a lag time, isn't there? A lot can happen in 18 to 24 hours. We've certainly seen, seen this with ISIL and Benghazi and others that, I mean, minutes count. There's no lag time with the Lord. There's not a spin-up time with God. There's not a let me finish this and I'll get to you with God. When we need him most, he is there. Because he's always with us. Though I think we perhaps doubt that often, don't we? God, where are you? Where are you, God? Do you not know what I'm going through? Do you not know what I'm dealing with? Where are you, God? But God is right there with us. And you know, what? when he comes, he comes with power. See, when the 82nd Airborne show up, they don't just come with lollipops, do they? They come with the best weapons we have. But you know, the strength to uh, the path of our to our strength is through weakness. It's one of those paradoxes of the Christian life: those who be exalted must be humbled; those who seek to be first must be last; those who seek to be strong must be weak. It's through weakness that strength is found. Because here's the thing: in and of ourselves, we will never be strong. Hear me when I say that. In and of ourselves, we will never be strong. And there's nothing that we are called to face or do in this life that we have the strength in ourselves to do. And so in times of acute need, and shallow need, and great need, and little need, and all the time, we rely upon the Lord. Why? Because He is our strength. And the only way to be strong in those situations is to admit our weakness. Lord, I have no ability to get through this. I have no ability to take Jericho. I have no ability to pay these bills. I have no ability to to be healed of this disease. I have no ability to get me through the, the rigors of life, a schedule of a hard job, a bad boss, a, a hard marriage. That we admit to ourselves, to the world, especially to our God, we can't do it. And it is only in this admission of weakness and this admission of hopelessness that we find strength. Because it's not our strength at all, isn't it? We find this especially in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul had prayed many times, three times at least, uh, uh, to be delivered of this thorn in the flesh. And God answers him. He says, my, pe- my, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul responds to this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses and insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, when we're in times of acute need, God shows up with power. First, we must humble ourselves that we can't do it on our own. And don't you know that so many problems in our lives are caused by us trying to do it on our own strength? But you know, when he comes, he shows up on his own terms. You know, when you call the 82nd Airborne, they're going to come and they're in charge or will be very soon. And God shows up as on his own terms. I feel like oftentimes we can feel like we can set the terms in which God is going to work in our lives. You can have this part of my life, but not this part. This sin, but ooh, no, don't touch that one. You can have this, but you can't have my marriage. But when God shows up, 
he, he shows up in authority and he shows up on his own terms. And praise the Lord he does because we're the ones that are in the mess. This is certainly what happens here. For when Joshua asks this really good question, hey, are you for us or for our enemies, for our adversaries? And the command, this, this figure says, no. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and I have come. See, this figure showed up. And when he did, it was on his own terms. You know, when God shows up in our lives, he shows up on his own terms. Sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers in the way we would expect or desire. Sometimes in trials, God shows up not to get rid of the trial, but to give us the strength to walk through it. Sometimes he chooses not to heal someone on this side of the Jordan, but only on the other. Sometimes when we pray for success, he brings failure in order that we might rely on him more and more. And oftentimes, our ideas of our needs are not consistent with his. Sometimes he calls us to go through persecution that others might hear the gospel. It's much like in the Chronicles of Narnia when Mr. Beaver says about Aslan, he is good, but he's not safe. He's safe, but but he's good, but he's not safe. When God comes, he comes on his own terms. And we certainly see this with Jesus, don't we? That when Jesus came, he came on his own terms. He came on his own terms and he was born in a palace, or excuse me, in a manger and not in a palace. He was a carpenter instead of a crowned king. He was flogged and tortured instead of being robed in royal robes. His throne was not of ivory, but it was a wooden cross. And and our salvation came through death. But then something unexpected happened. For this is God on his own terms, saving his people as he would. And he was raised on the third day in power. He was raised from the dead and now he ascended into heaven. And he now he sits in power, the right hand of God the Father Almighty, that he might help us in power in this time as we wait for that day of his return. And when he comes back, He will come again in power and on his own terms. It will be the day of judgment. It will be on his own terms par excellence. When he comes back, he'll come in power as one with the shout of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet. And until that time in the in-between time, the now and the not yet, this time between Christ's first and second coming, we can be assured that Christ is with us. And His Spirit guides us and abides in us. And we are are united to the One who is mighty and powerful. So that whenever we need Him, He is there. He is there for us. May He come back soon. In the name of Jesus, let's ask Him. Father, we thank You that You are with us. You're with us in so many ways. You, God, are omnipresent. And You're everywhere. And you're with us in that Christ has come and died on the cross for us. He became one of us, the God-man, Emmanuel, God with us, and walked on this earth and tabernacled amongst us. And now the Spirit inhabits within us and lives within us, Lord. And we yearn for the day where we are with you forever physically, that our faith has been turned into sight. And you have made all things new. Come in power, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen.